So welcome to all you first-time visitors. It's, it's um, you know, it, I, you'd think by now I wouldn't be surprised that, uh, that when, I, when I say, God, what do you really want to say? Or when I go into a text and, um, and want to do justice to it rather than make it fit what I wish it said, uh, it shouldn't surprise me that, um, that at oftentimes a God that great uh, says things that only a God that great has the right to say. And this is one of those, one of those days. Um, we had, had one kind of close to this a couple of weeks ago. I, I shared that I was um, going to be speaking at Northwestern Chapel. And, uh, and they said, share whatever's on your heart, whatever God puts on your heart. And some of you are actually there. Uh, and what God put on my heart to share, my one time ever speaking at Northwestern <laughs> College, probably the only time I will ever be invited to speak at Northwestern College, um, was student debt. Talking to them about student debt. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and this is harder than that one. So, if you have your Bible, let's uh, get a running start at this. Let's take a look at John chapter 10, verse 1. If you didn't have your Bible, don't worry, we'll put the, the, um, the words here up on the screens. If you didn't bring a Bible because you don't have one at home, we would love to send you home with one today. You can take one absolutely free there from the resource table. Okay, this is um, John chapter 1, or John chapter 10, sorry. John chapter 10, verse 1. This, um, this isn't the text we're going to be focusing on today, but this, I think, will help us, uh, help us get in the, in the right frame of mind. Here we go. John chapter 10, verse 1, uh, says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, not just truly, I say to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, he or she who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man, that woman, they're a thief and a robber. But he or she who opens, uh, enters the door, by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. All right, that, that's how I want to frame things today. And, and I, I put this up there because the entire Christian faith can be found right here. The, the key to all of Christianity can be found right here. If, if you can learn to do this, if, if you can become a disciple of Jesus as, in such a way where you can discern the voice of the shepherd from all the other voices, if you can do that, if you can discern God's voice and then follow him, that's Christianity. That's it. In fact, that's master's level Christianity if you can do that because that's really, really hard because there's all these voices, aren't there? There are all these voices. There are voices of different pastors and different authority religious figures who are telling you different things. There are all the voices in your head of, is this me or is this God? There are circumstances and we can look at them and go, is that a sign or is that just an observation? That's why this is master's level Christianity, because to hear that voice and to discern it, you're having to go off of thoughts, you're having to go off of feelings, you're, you're having to go off of things that can be extremely subjective. That's why that's master's level Christianity. Well, today, we're not going to talk about master's level Christianity, we're going to talk about basic, fundamental Christianity, Christianity 101. And it's, it's basic, the reason I say it's basic is because it's black and white. It's written down, literally, in most of our Bibles, it's black and white. 
That's, that's the text. It's not something we have, to, um, uh, we have to try to discern from voices and feelings. This is something that, that, that is written in, in God's word. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. The Bible, God's written word for his sheep, for his flock. It says some things that apply to everybody. It also, at different times, the Bible says specific things to specific people. There are specific things written to single people in the Bible. There are specific things written to husbands and fathers. There are specific things written for children. There are specific things written for wives, for mothers. There are some times where the Bible says specific things for specific people. And one of the categories of people that God on occasion addresses in his word are rich people. And if you're at all like me, when God talks to the rich people, sometimes you're going, yeah, you tell them, Jesus. You tell those selfish rich people, you know, you, you lay it to them. They, they really need to, to, to live differently or think differently or, or open their eyes. And you know why this is so hard today? Because who are the rich people? of us are rich people. Most of us are rich people. <laughs> I told you, this is going to be tough. I, um, I heard an interesting, uh, or before I want, I want to say this too before I move on, um, and the reason I, I do all of that as intro is so often when the Bible says specific things to specific people, we miss it because we think God's talking to somebody else. You know? So, um, Let's, let's dive in. Uh, I, I heard an interesting podcast recently. Uh, I'll put the gist of it out there, and then you can process this, put it against God's word, put it against um, your reflections, talk to other believers. Um, the, the podcast was part of a series. It was part one of a series called How to Be Rich. And the reason he created this series, a guy named Andy Stanley, North Point Church, the reason he did this series is he said, there's so much out there about how to get rich. There's, there's stuff all over, in the church sometimes, and certainly outside of the church. You can find books, you can find seminars, you can find lots of stuff about how to get rich, but there's very little teaching us how to be rich. Very little teaching us how to, to, to be rich. And very, very little that helps you know when have you crossed the line. When did you go from not rich to rich? You know, when, when did you do it? And, and I don't remember... Um, I don't remember the actual statistics, so what I'm telling you right now is just kind of rough ballpark estimates of what he quoted in his podcast. But very roughly, he said something like this. He said, they asked people in a survey who, um, who made $30,000 a year or less, they asked these people, who's rich? And these people said something like, if you make $70,000 a year, you're rich. And then they surveyed people who were made $70,000 a year, and they said, Who's rich? And they said something like those who make 250000 a year. They're rich. And they asked those people, who's rich? And the people who made 250000 a year said something like, well, if you're on the Yankees baseball team, you know, you're, you're, you're rich. And, and that one's for sure not exact, but it was something like that. So the, the numbers, you know, may be off on, on this uh, this research that I'm quoting, but study after study after study confirms that basic principle. That if you're in this financial category, rich is always somewhere on the horizon. Rich is like this, this destination that you think is obtainable, but you, you never really get there. It is, it is the equivalent of, of, of arriving at a point and then your horizon now is just a little farther out than where you are. Who's rich? 
I mean, that, that, that can be so subjective because it depends on your perspective. So what I want to try to do today, and the reason this is so disturbing to me, is what we're going to try to do is to, to, to look at something a little more objective. You know, God, he is great. And as God looks out across the world, he sees things from a global perspective. And not just global right now, historically global, of all people that ever lived. God can look out and he sees, he sees this kind of perspective. So if we look at the world from that kind of perspective, who are the rich? Let's take a little, little uh, look at, at some of this type of thing. Um, if you're listening at the podcast, right now I'm, I'm moving off of my chair and I'm, we don't have video and so we don't have that in our podcast. But, um, and by the way, those of you who are teaching right now, who are teaching last week and you are listening to this podcast, God bless you. Thank you for that. Um, well, anyway, I'm looking at this amazing graphic uh, here that has been drawn. It's got 100 people, 100 stick people here on this, this graph. And this represents 100% of the world's 6.9 billion people. 6.9 billion people in the world. This represents 100%. And so as God looks out and he looks at all the people in all their circumstances, who is rich? Who's in the top 10%? Who is down here on this line? Out of all the people alive on the planet today, who is, who is among the top 10 wealthiest people on the planet? Well, there's a, a website I got pointed to some time ago called Global Rich Let's globalrichlist.com. And I don't know how precise they are, but their, their statistics seem in line with other things I've looked at. So again, this may not be 100% accurate, but it's, um, it's closer than maybe we wish it was. Could we put up uh, some of the, what they say? You can go to globalrichlist.com, you can type in your salary, and they'll tell you where you measure up with the rest of the world. And it may be hard to see from the back, but according to globalrichlist.com, if you make $100,000 a year, you are in the top, not 66%, you are in the top 0.66%. Out of all these people, these 100 people here on this, this beautifully drawn graph, you are, one, you are 6, 0.66% of this person down here in this corner. That's you. Now, many of us in this room are thinking, well, that's not me. I'm not 100,000, so I'm safe, right? Well, let's, let's keep going. Um, 75,000, if, if your annual salary is $75,000, and I don't know if this is household, I don't know if this is individual. If, if, if your salary is 75,000, you are in the top 0.82%. If your salary is 75,000, you are still within the top 1% of everyone on this planet. Let's keep going. 50,000. If, if your income is 50,000, you are still in the top 1% of the world. Now, so far, many of you might be going, okay, I, I can see that. This is the one that might surprise you. Let's drop to 30, or 25. Let's drop to 25,000. If your annual income is 25,000, if your salary is 25000 a year, you are in the top 10%. That was surprising to me. Right here, of all these people, you're here. You are in this, this line of, of 10. 
Now, let me put this another way, make this, this um, even, even more vi- visible. Um, these stats were globalrichlist.com, which again seem to line up with other things that, that I've seen. This is from, there's a book um, that we'll talk about a little bit later called The Hole in Our Gospel. This is from um, World Vision. The guy who heads up World Vision wrote that book. And here's, here are some stats that, that, uh, that they put out. They said, in the world today, about 40%, about 40% of all people live on $2 a day or less. So up here in the front, we've got um, two water bottles right here. If, if this represents a, a dollar a day, 40% of the world's population lives on $2 a day. Okay? That's 40%. Now, there's another 15% uh, that live on $1 a day or less. So 10, 5. Okay? So there's another... 15% of the world, that now they don't live on $2 a day or less, they live on $1 a day or less. Okay? Now, he said, Americans, the average American lives on $105 a day. $105. And there's only 4.5%, only 4.5% of the people in the world, so this person's getting cut in half, um, only 4.5% of the world whoops, is, are Americans. So, oh, here we go. Glad this is, this is why I don't do this often. One of the reasons why I don't do this often. Um, the, only 4.5% of the world are Americans. Americans have $105. And I think that, that's the equivalent of less than $40,000 uh, a year. That's what that works out to be. So as God looks out and he says, there are important things that rich people need to hear. And he addresses them. Who's he talking to? In that podcast, um, Andy Stanley, that was a pastor, he, he had everyone in his congregation say these words. Let's put them up on the screen. The, uh, I have more than I need. And he said, this is, there are some of you, you're not going to be able to get these words out. These words, I have more than I need. I am rich. That, that took me back. There was a show that was on some time ago. Were we able to find a, a graphic of this guy? Um, there was a show that was on TV many years ago. Did you, did you find this character? Can we put him up? Um, he was one of the lead characters in this, uh, this show. We have trouble... With the computer? Okay. No, he, no we, we, will, we will get it up there. All right. I'll just start talking about it. There's a show called Happy Days. And anyone ever heard of that show or seen that show, Happy Days? Have. You have. All right. I'm not the only one. There was a character called the Fonz in Happy Days. We may or may not have a picture of him. He um, was the Fonz. He was like this cool character. And if my memory serves me right, when the Fonz, there were certain things he couldn't get out of his mouth. Is that, am I remembering Right. Like, I love you, I think, was, might have been one of them. Instead of I love you, he'd be, ah, ah, you know. He just couldn't get the words out. I think I, I am wrong, or I was wrong, might have been another one of those. There he is. Hey. We, I grew up in a time when fashion was so different. And I remember on my elementary school bus, the cool T-shirt was a white T-shirt. It said, I'm the Fonz with a big red thumb. That was a cool T-shirt in Hastings, Minnesota when I was like in third grade. And I never got that one. I'm still am bitter about it to this day. Um, 
So anyway, he, he uh, but my mom's down in Florida, so it's all good. She didn't hear. Um, so uh, anyway, the, um, the, the, the point is he couldn't get these words out. There were these words he couldn't get out. And for many Americans, we can't get those words out. Let's put them back up on the screen. These are words that we just, we can't get out. I have more than I need. I am rich. Especially if you're Scandinavian, you cannot get these words out of your mouth. Um, in fact, even the pastor who was, who was talking about these things on this podcast, he said, my kids, one of my kids came to me and they said, dad, are we rich? And he's like, ah, and he had this internal battle going on inside of him because he wanted to give his son or daughter all the disclaimers of, well, it really depends on what you mean by rich and, and don't you dare go saying this at school. And it, he, he had all of these different things that he wanted to make sure that were, was tacked onto there and he just couldn't even get himself, even though he had done this message, he couldn't just easily say, yes, I, yes we're rich. It wasn't something that, that, that was easy. And for most of us, it, it sounds arrogant to say we're rich. And for most of us, it, doesn't, it, it seems untrue to say we're rich. And as I look at myself and I say, why is it so hard for me to say I'm rich? Why, why did I have to write this out on a card and why have I had to say it out loud every day for a month? Why, why, is it, why do I need therapy to, to get these words out of my mouth? Because, because those two things, it seems arrogant and it seems untrue. When I think of, when I think of my frame of reference, when I think of the, the, a, a lot of our friends, when I think of people in my family, when, when I think of the, my world, I'm not down here. I'm, I'm somewhere in here. And, and when I think of where I want to be or where I think I need to be, when I think of... I've got two kids, and they're both girls, and I hope they get married someday, but how am I going to afford that? And, and when I think of college education, when I think of, of what we'd like to do with our house, and when I, when I think of these things, I'm not down here. I'm not even here. I, I, I feel most weeks, especially when the bills come. I, I feel here. And so it's so hard for us to, to, to get beyond our, our limited, narrow perspective and, and to look at God's global perspective and when he talks about the rich, to go, I have more than I need. I'm rich. I, I have food. I actually have so much food that there are times I scrape it into the trash can after a meal. That's crazy to have that much wealth in, in a world where people start. And so I'm not going to have us all say this out loud because some of you are in, in, in tough financial spots right now and, and, and we, we, we can talk about that if, if, if you want. But what I encourage you to do in your bulletins, if you haven't already opened them up, there should be a white index card. If there isn't one, if it fell out of your bulletin, they're not real hard to find. We can give you one or you can find one at home. Um, what I would encourage you to do is to write that down. Write that down. There's something about writing it out and even more than writing it out, put it someplace that you'll see every day and say it out loud. You need to do this. I need to do this. We need to own this for a number of reasons, but we need to own this, that we have more than I need and we're rich. And why is this so important? Um, If you open up your bulletins, you also found a green sheet in there, hopefully. There's a place to write this down in your notes if you'd like. Um, When Jesus spoke to the rich, he was speaking to most of us. 
most of the U.S., it could be too, but I'm talking about us. When Jesus spoke to the rich, he was speaking to most of us. Until we accept the global realities that we just looked at, we are going to miss things that the voice of the good shepherd has said to his flock. If we don't own that, we're going to miss things that he is speaking, that God's voice, as the shepherd is speaking and the sheep are supposed to listen, there are things that that we will miss if we don't own that. And I mentioned you know, earlier that, that um, this isn't master's level. This isn't trying to discern the, the whispers. Um, this is more black and white. In fact, now the text for today that we're going to get into, um, if you have a red-letter Bible, this isn't just black and white. This is red. This is like Jesus speaking. So let's look at some words of Jesus. Now, specifically, these words aren't written to the rich. Um, there's, there's no thing right ahead of ahead of this that says, hey, rich people, listen to this. It's, this is more of a written to everybody, but to whom much is given, much is expected. And so there's a special emphasis I think we need to look at as we look at this passage. Here we go. I told you this would not be easy. Um, Matthew 25, starting with verse 31. If you have your Bibles, open up because I want to show you something surrounding this passage that's much easier to see when you have your Bible open in, in front of you. Um, Matthew chapter 25, we're going to be look, starting with verse 31. But as you're opening up, one of the things you're going to notice is 31. I mean, that's 31 verses into this chapter. How does this chapter open? The chapter opens with a parable. There's a lot of red on these pages if you've got red letters. It opens with a parable about 10 people. And five of these people were not ready. They were not prepared. And when the moment came when they should have been prepared, they weren't ready. And it, it did not turn out good for them. Following that one, there's another parable. Jesus is it's parable, parable. And the second parable is about these people who were entrusted with money that was not theirs. It says talents, it, it, was, it was a form of money. They were trusted with money that was not theirs. And two were wise with it, and one wasn't. And the, the one that wasn't didn't work out well for the one that wasn't. Those set this one up. Those frame this. There are so many, Jesus is like this excellent pitcher who does not throw fastball, 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 who sets it up. He sets this up, and here it comes. Matthew 25, starting with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. He will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Wow. All right, let's, let's stop there. Um, in, in most areas of the world, you don't find sheep and goats together. In most areas of the world, sheep and goats, separate flocks, they keep them separate for a number of reasons. In this area of the world, where this was first spoken, um, especially at that time, frequently the flocks would be together. You'd have sheep and goats physically together. And at night, that was one of the things that the shepherds would often do, separate the sheep from the goats. Sheep are often associated with the people of God. That's something you see not only here, but it's, it's throughout the Old Testament. Sometimes with the nation of Israel, sometimes as the, the sheep are the disciples or followers of, of Jesus. It is not without precedent then to read of God judging the sheep. Here's one example from the Old Testament. Um, this is from the book of Ezekiel. 
Uh, Ezekiel 34, verse 17 says this, As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. Now, quick related side note, um, as we go back now to to the Matthew passage, um, you can find lots of references to God as the king. God as king. And here's, from time to time, I, I, I talk about the importance of Trinity and understanding that and where that comes from. Here's another place why people understand that God is, is, is three in one. Here, here, who is the king? The king is the son of man. Who is the son of man? Jesus. So here is one of these passages where almost always in Jewish thought and in Jewish parables, the king is God. The king is God. Here, here Jesus is ascribing that role to him. I'm the king. I'm the king. So, little trinity, trinity there at no extra charge. All right, the king in the Jewish parables of the God. Who's the king here? Jesus. And this king, Jesus, will one day gather the nations. So he's gathering nations, but you notice he's separating individuals. He's gathering nations. He's separating individuals into two groups. Let's keep reading. Uh, continuing on, we'll go through verse 40, uh, starting with... 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed in my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And and when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. I think it's important to pause and and notice the reaction of the sheep. The reaction of the sheep wasn't, Shoo! All right, you noticed. Good, 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 good. Because I was hoping this was going to happen. I was hoping that, that, you know, when I went to the store and I was going to buy that new 3D HDTV, but I said, no, 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 don't buy that. Give the money to the poor because then you'll go to heaven. Whoo, I'm glad you noticed. You know, God, thank you. Oh, great, I'm in. Was that how the sheep reacted? No, I, I think they were sincerely surprised. Again, this is Jesus telling these parables. Jesus is very intentional of his word choices. He presents them as being surprised. What? When did we ever do that for you? When did we ever? And this is such an important part. We're going to come back to this thought. So, so register this thought. The sheep seemed genuinely surprised. They didn't do this so that they could earn their salvation. The sheep were just doing what came natural to them. The sheep didn't do this so they could earn a pat on the back from God. They didn't do this so they could, they could get into heaven. The sheep were just being sheep. Now let's look at the goats. This scares me. Uh, there's a, there's a uh, when you flip channels um, on our TV, you can like see the different you know, what's on there without having to actually flip through it. It gives a little description. And I remember flipping through and there was some show that said the 10 scariest places on earth. Um, This, for me personally, is one of the top three scariest sections of scripture for me. This this one we're going to look at right now. Um, This is out of of Matthew um, 25, starting with, uh, well, going through verse 46. Then he will say to those on his left, this king, 
Jesus will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. And then those will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now again, this is Jesus telling the parable. And, and Jesus paints these folks as being genuinely surprised also. That's what scares me. That we can be held accountable to things that we're blind to. We, we, we talked as we start this, this as we open this, season, this series up, we talked there's sins of commission, there's sins of omission. Sins of commissions are sins you commit. They are things you do. Things you should not have done that you do. Sins of omission aren't things you do, they're things you didn't do. There can be eternal consequences linked to sins of omission. And possibly, as I, as I try to look at these words and read them, possibly on things that we don't even know we're not doing. Now, before you start freaking out, I'm excited to get to now, turn a corner here, and get to the good news. There, this is not, the enemy loves to do this. I was having a discussion with somebody before the service started, and, and, um, and, and we were talking about this a little bit. It, there are, the enemy loves to push you too far one way. And perhaps as we've been talking about these things, you're starting to feel some conviction of, okay, this is not an area I've been consciously engaging and what the enemy would love to do right now is to just keep pushing you that direction so far. Oh, don't look at the, the rest of the Bible. Just be feeling miserable and feel guilty and walk around feeling horrible because God has put you in a blessed situation. You know, let's not, let's not let the enemy push us there. Let's get into the good news because there is good news here for both the rich and the poor. There is good news here for both the rich and the poor. Let's start with the rich. Here's, here's the good news for the rich. Who is who? Who is the rich, by the way? Us. Okay. Good news for us. Um, for us, for the rich, this is a Christmas carol moment. For us, this is a Christmas carol moment. Not the Christmas carol songs, that, that, that play, that movie with Scrooge. This is a Christmas carol moment. Today I was talking to Laura. We have to leave at different times, my wife and I, for, for on Sundays. And, um, and she, we were... I saw her here. We were comparing a little bit of notes. I'm like, how did how'd the morning go? And she goes, well, it was kind of interesting. Emma, our oldest, she's eight, um, she came kind of staggering in when Laura was getting ready in the bathroom. Emma comes kind of staggering in out of bed. And she goes, just randomly, she goes, Mom? And Laura says, yes. And she goes, we're either asleep or awake. <laughs> that was it. That was what she wanted to say. And I'm like, oh, that can preach. Back and preach. We're either asleep or awake. Aren't we? This is a, the reason this is good news, this is a Christmas carol moment. This isn't you 
facing the king, going, oh no. I can't go back. It's too late. I can't change. This is God having enough grace to, to, to show you a, a possible ending. An ending for goats. And, and, and showing you this is going to be the reality for some folks. And this is you, like Scrooge, waking up going, Okay, oh, if Christmas isn't here, it's okay, I got time. I can change, I can change. That's, this is good news. This is not God waiting and, and telling you something after the fact. This is God printing it in black and white or red, saying, here, here's a reality. How will you respond to this reality as a sheep or as a goat? So this passage is good news for all that have ears to hear. It's good news for all that have ears to hear. And that good news gets even better for the rich. Because here's something just amazing about God. And there's a place to write this down in your notes as well. God doesn't expect goats to act like sheep. The good news is this. God wants to help goats become sheep. In fact, the only way to become a sheep is with God's help. It would be horrible news if God expected us as a goat to act like a sheep. Goats don't act like sheep. I've talked before, I brought pictures before of my goat, Bingo, when I was a kid. Goats don't act like sheep. We had Curly the sheep, we had Bingo the goat. They were not the same. Curly the sheep never tried to get on my bus. That was the most embarrassing day of my, oh my word. All the cool Fonzie t-shirt kids in the back. Nice goat, Stadensky. I, you know, it was... I had a weird childhood, all right? Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> goats and sheep are two different animals. Goats act like goats. Sheep act like sheep. And if, you're the, if, if God is saying, okay, goat, get your act together, you start acting like a sheep, that's horrible news because you can't pull it off. You can't pull it off. But if God can change you into a sheep, then no one can snatch you, Jesus says, out of my hand. If you fall, if you stumble, regardless, nobody can snatch you from my hand. If you're in my flock, you're in my flock. As fallen, as messed up as you are, you're in my flock. Let me help you become a sheep. And as part of becoming a sheep, what you're going to find is you have a new heart and you have a new mind. One that still needs to be further grown, further developed. But there's a change. And many of you who have had that experience of transformation before, you know what I'm talking about. The Bible describes it many different ways, and we, ex- we experience it in many different ways. For some, it's like being born again. You, you were living one way, and it's like, now I'm a new person. The Bible talks, talks about a new creation. Some of you feel that way. When you first turned your life over to God and said, God, take this life, give me this new life, it happened. You started seeing things different. That happened with me. It wasn't 100% change, but it was dramatic. Music that I once wanted to listen to, I, I, I had a, there was something that was not the same anymore. People I wanted to spend time with, I, I realized I, I can't do the things I used to do with them that I, that I used to do. There were, was things that changed. Some of you have had an experience, the Bible refers to baptism of the Holy, baptism of the Holy Spirit, where, where God's Spirit came upon you and you were able to do things you could not do before. See things you could not see before. Understand things you could not understand before. God is in the business of transforming goats into sheep. Pharisees are in the business of trying to make goats like sheep. 
And God had hard words for the Pharisees. So there's good news, great news for the rich. You can become a sheep. You might have never thought of that as good news before, but it is. It beats being a goat. So if that's the good news for the rich, what is the good news for the poor? Quickly, let's take a look at this. If, if it is good news for the rich that we can become sheep, what is the good news for the poor? The good news for the poor is the rich are now sheep. That's the good news for the poor. The average American, this is not surprising, but it's still stunning. The average American churchgoer gives 2.5% of their income to the work of God. 2.5%. The average American gives 2.5%. What if we were all sheep? What if we all understood, as the parable right before this one lays out, that it's not ours, that we have been entrusted with everything, that God has, has, for whatever reason, he's placed us in a position where partly because of the culture we were born into, partly because of the gifts and talents and ability and drive that he's given you, this whole combination has enabled us to be in a different spot. What if everyone realized that in America? And I'm not going to now tell you exactly what that means financially for you because the Bible, as much as many of us want to make it black and white, it is fairly gray. It's gray except in the sense of it's all God's. That's not gray. What's gray is exactly what does that mean? I don't know. Um, a lot of people use this, this idea of the tithe as, as, as part of a starting point that do, you know, in God-honoring ways, take 90%, do your thing, 10% goes back to God. You, you, if we use that as a starting point, I'm not saying it's the best one, I'm just saying it's, it's A1. If we use that as a starting point, look at the difference it could make. Here, let's, um, let's put these up on the screen. These are also from the book, The Hole in Our Gospel. The extra funds available, if all, this is just American churchgoers, this is just the difference between 2.5% and 10. Okay? If these are the extra funds available, if all American churchgoers tithe, there would be an extra $168 billion. Now, if instead of just spending that on ourselves, this was invested into the, to the needs, real needs in the world around us, it would only take $65 billion to eliminate the most extreme poverty on the planet. Keep going down the list. It would take just $13 billion for basic health and nutrition for everyone in the world. It would take $9 billion to bring clean water to most of the world's poor. It would take $6 billion for universal primary education of children. Again, I can't vouch for exactly what they mean by that. But again, I've seen enough of these stats to know there is some general agreement that if just American Christians would start acting like sheep and if American churches would act like flocks of sheep rather than just taking that money and spending it on ourselves and saying, glory to God, you know? <laughs> um, look at the difference that, that, that could happen. And this is, this is hard because in, in all of us, if, if we are at all opening ourselves up to God, then, then we have both the sheep and the goat working in our lives. You know, the sheepiest sheep has goatness to them. We do. Yeah. <laughs> you tell them. You preach it. I didn't get that in seminary. That was my own. Um, <laughs> and, and the sheep, you know, the, the goat in me, the goat in me keeps being pulled back to the goat nature. You know, there's a reason why a goat is a satanic symbol. There's a reason why the goat emerged in Satanism as a satanic symbol. It, it has to do with the nature 
Are you a sheep or are you a goat? You know, a goat does not do really anything without strong coercion. Either what's in it for me or, you know, what bad things will happen if I don't. You know, sheep are much more responsive to the shepherd's voice. And, and the goat in me wants to listen to the fallen sin nature. And the goat in me loses perspective. And the goat in me says, I, I, how, can I, how can I tithe or more than tithe? Because my reference point is the bills that are coming in. My reference point is the things that I think I'm entitled to. My reference point is, well, but my neighbors, they're going on all these trips. And, and most of the time, the trips I go on are ones I'm speaking at, you know, <laughs> bring my family along. Um, you know, and all these things, the woe is me stuff, that's the goat. What if we started thinking like sheep? And there are times where, this is why I'm excited, this is why this is good news. When the sheep voice wins, that's where life is. You know, when, when the sheep voice wins, and I listen to it, and we send some money to this guy Donovan, who I know, who lives in Juarez, and then he writes back, thank you, because now when my girl had her birthday, I was able to give her a cake. You know? Then all of a sudden, doing this looks like doing this. You know, instead of here, I'd throw these, I'd hit their keyboard and that would be bad. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? And, and all of a sudden, there's great joy when you listen to the sheep. It is not like the goat who's like, okay, here, at least I can get to heaven. You know? Serious, isn't it like that? If you really break it down. Instead of that, it's, oh, wow. God, you can use me to do this? There, there are people starving to death, and God, you can, all it's going to take is this? Here. And I'm not talking again in stupid giving that does nothing, but investing as the Spirit of God would lead us to invest. You talk about a healthy addiction. We listen to the sheep. We can have a healthy, healthy, healthy addiction. One last thing, and then I'll ask the worship band to come up. One last thing I want to process. One of the things that was extremely challenging as I was reading and preparing for... for, um, for this message was uh, I came across, more than once, I came across people who really challenged my, my reference point. I, I think about all the different times where the Church of God did not stand up as a whole. I think of Nazi Germany and where these churches, it was just obvious that this Hitler guy was a, a mess, you know, and that the things he was, was saying were they, were, they were from the pit of hell. And yet, so many of these churches, including their leaders, just shrunk back from the fight. Let's just stay under the radar. Let's just not raise problems. And I like to think, oh, I would not have been one of those people. And then I, they, one of the ones that came up often was civil rights. And they said, you know, we, most of us would like to say, oh, I would have been at the front of the march. You know, I, I, if I were, if that was my prime time, I, I would have been in that fight. We like to think that. But then, right when they get you there, so many of these people who are writing these things, they said, okay, you think you would have been in those fights? 100 million people could be dying of AIDS here in front of you. 
26,000 kids are starving to death every day. Where are you? You who like to think you'd be in the front lines. What if? What if we became a flock of sheep? What if we would listen to the voice of God? And whether it is this issue of clothing the naked and feeding the hungry, whether it's a host of other issues that matter to God, what if we listen to that voice and say, God, what do you want me to do? And I'll do it. And then we're doing it not as a go, we're doing it with the very power of God. Imagine that. Imagine what history could look back on and say, what an amazing thing happened in the year 2011 when the sheep woke up, stopped doing business as usual, and engaged real needs. At this time, I'd like to have the worship band come on up. I um, as This just came, up, came to me last night. You know, usually I have my stuff more together um, before uh, Saturday night. And, and I thought I did. I thought I, I had what was going to be said. And, and then um, a thought, thought came to me, and that was um, a thought about this, this biblical king, King David. And here was a guy who, um, who was a shepherd, literally. He was a shepherd of sheep. And God raised him up to become shepherd king of the nation of Israel. And this guy was a person described as a man after God's own heart, but he had his moments. And one of his lows was really, really low. And what brought him back, interestingly enough, was a story about sheep. And when this person was confronted with this story about sheep, he wrote some words down that that we have the fortunate privilege of having And it's Psalm 51. As we prepare ourselves now for the close of this service, as we we invite God to transform us, if we are sheep who have wandered, where we say, God, bring me back, or if we are goats and we have never consciously surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, I can't think of better words um, to do it with than these words right from a shepherd who realized he had wandered away from his shepherd. Here it is, Psalm uh, 51, portions of it. Let me, let me pray these. And you can, it's okay to pray with your eyes open. If you want to pray this out loud with me, you can. If you want to pray it silently with me, you can. If you just want to reflect, if you're new, you know, you just, you came here for a workout and you got lost and you're like, where are the spinning cycles? And you just, you know, whatever. Um, then just listen to this. These are, these are words. Spirit inspired words. Um, let, me, let me pray this, and then together we'll pray this song. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. I want to pause there. It's okay to have, have it where you have it. You need to say the rest of them out loud with me if you want. Um, I'd encourage you that because these are words that need to come out of our mouth. Um, Psalm 51 is the address if you want to do this at home too. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in the sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. Father, take now, take ourselves, take our minds, take our hearts. Take that which is not yours, Father, and and we ask that you would take it from us because we can't even give it to you. We're goats, and we're like, I have a picture of this goat, it happens to be bingo, grabbing onto the end of a blanket, which happens to be my Star Wars sheets, and, and it's pulling, it's pulling. God, just take it, take it from us, Lord, and then change us, change us into people with new hearts and new minds that you can speak to, that you can move. Do that as we sing this song to you in Jesus' name. Amen.